Du, 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 du. <laughs> yeah, this yes. is Barking, the Palace of the Dogs podcast. <laughs> We're actually in um, in Canada, Toronto. Oh, Canada. Um, <laughs> which and we've got a special guest who you can hear, but I'll introduce her in a sec. <laughs> and what have we been up to as the Palace of Dogs? Obviously, you can only just hear my voice today because we're in Canada. I'm out here working on. Um, girl from the North Country at the Alexandra Theatre. We will be coming to the West End in 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 when? And December, December, December mm-hmm. to February. So that's pretty awesome. So just a cut, little updates on what we've been doing. We had a read through of our of our web series that we've got, um, we're going to be ready to film when I come back in December, which is pretty exciting. We are also researching and developing our first production as the Palace of the Dogs, um, which is The Forty Elephants, which was written by our Nadine, aka Chia Phoenix. So she's going to be working on that while we are away. So that's pretty awesome. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, just big up to um, Vanessa Fisher. <laughs> to Vanessa Fisher, Chia, and Kieran, and I miss you. And we're, we're holding down the fort. We've got big things coming. So, today we are talking with the one and only. Rachel John, Rachel John, big up yourself. Hello. Bra, bra. Yeah, that's yeah, right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, so, don't get me started, don't. <laughs> I want my best behaviours today. No, here. never. That's not what we want. No, oh. no best behaviour. Okay, okay. Um, so what we're going to be talking about is her career thus far, how she got into it, all the things there. Mm. And then we're going to talk about the sticky situation of faith within the art, predominantly theatre, and within the black community. So, Rachel John, how are you yeah, feeling? Do you know what? Really good. We've been in tech and we, we opened. Yeah. So, we, we got here last Thursday night. We started tech on Friday. And then we had previews Saturday and Sunday. So, we, you know, we're good. We're blessed. But, we, yeah. you know, and, and admittedly, even Jesus went on the other side and lay down and slept because we're tired as Exactly. Well, you, you That's know? why so, I'm, I'm so thankful that you've, um, <laughs> you've agreed to be on this podcast. Oh, thanks. Because um, she's an inspiration, isn't she? Well, I try. Yeah, she is, isn't she? <laughs> just me. So we're going to play a little word association game. Right. And I've not actually planned any words. We're just going to do the, right. the business, all right? Word association. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, all right. I'm ready, man. Did it, did it, did it, did it, go. Um, Aki. Sawfish. Tea. Biscuits. Chair. Table. Wine. Mm, cheese. Brock out. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Calypso. Or Soka. Um, Pandi River. Pandi Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Gratitude is a... Master. <laughs> um, 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 chairs. Legs. Dutty. Wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, donut. Jam. Microphone. Ooh, voice. Sing. Angels. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Saviour. Oh, yeah, that was pretty. That was lovely, wasn't it? I don't know, we still got more time. Shame, go. Um, Shame. Oh, guilt. Ooh, eyes. Window. Ooh, and that is it. 
Oh, that was pretty good. That's stressful, mate. I've got an eye watch that, that whatever it's called, Apple Watch, yeah. <laughs> and the heart rate is telling me that it increased from seventy to like ninety-two. So that was that was a that was a bit of pressure there. That is right that though. Association. It's fun though. Yeah, it is. I really enjoy it. So let's get into it, Rachel. Yeah, here I am. So how did you get into theatre? Because you, you didn't wow. train, did you? No, I didn't train. The way it began, I mean, there's a kind of a two-pronged thing to it. I um, I grew up in church. Mm. Um, my mum is a reverend. And she That's was also... Dumb. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, um, and she was in the choir as well. So my sister and I have an older sister, and we always used to go to choir practice. And she used to have us in the buggy and, you know she'd be singing and whatever and she just she said just from a really early age that she realised that I'd just be singing these songs during the week that mm. we picked up at church and stuff and she was like oh there might be something kind of going on there and then a lady at church you know spoke to her and said she had this dream that she saw me singing on stages all over the world oh, I was wow. probably about seven or eight when this you know and, and the terminology that we use is a, is a prophecy or a word of knowledge or a word of revelation whatever it was and um, as my mum has always said, you know, if it is a word of God, it will come true. It mm. will. So you would, you don't have to do, you know, you don't have to agonise over it. So from that, I think the seed was kind of planted and, and I had spent a long time kind of running away from it. Really? Yes. And I went through the conventional way of, um, I was going to teach, I was going to be an English teacher. And I, 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 did, I did everything I needed to do to do that. So I went to university and did a degree in drama and theatre studies and English literature and then I needed to take a year out to kind of get some money to do my PGCE mm. and then ended up at a Lion King audition <laughs> in Manchester because my fiance at the time he played the saxophone and he was like oh we should go to for your birthday we should go and you know I didn't know he was taking me to an open audition for Lion King went for all the rounds, got to back to London, and they were like, no, you know, there's no availability or whatever. I probably sang something horrendous anyway. I didn't, <laughs> I'd never auditioned before. Yeah. Um, and so I went back to work, because at this point I was like a secretary and admin assistant, and I used to work in libraries. And so at that point I was working at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society as an admin assistant. And wow. uh, I was sitting at my desk, and it was about... Nine months later, nine, ten months later, after this initial Lion King audition, I got a phone call on my mobile phone. And back in the day, there were bricks. And back in the day, you only had, like, three numbers. So this <laughs> other number came up, and I was like, who is this? <laughs> um, and this voice was on the other end said, hi, darling, it's Pippa. And I'm like, girl, I don't know no Pippa. So who are you? It's Pippa Alien. You auditioned for Lion King. La, 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 la. And we'd like to see you again for something. And I was thinking, what? Oh, I don't know. I'm confused. Long story short, the auditions were across the road from my office in a little hall. Mm. So I could go in my flexi time. Because uh, back in the day, like if you worked flexi, you just had to do enough hours in the day so I could clock in and clock out. Mm. My boss was like, no, you go. Went across the road to these auditions in my full work outfit. Um, Two weeks, did auditions, and then got another phone call saying, we'd really like you to start this job. We really want you to work for Disney. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? She went, oh, yes, darling, and it's in Paris. I was like, what? <laughs> and it starts in two weeks. What? So I was none the wiser about what I was going to do. Had a meeting with my boss and just said, look, this is what's happened, and I don't really know what to do. Mm. I never thought this wasn't a passion. It wasn't something I wanted to pursue. I wasn't particularly very good at 
liking people looking at me or criticizing me so this is the wrong industry for that um <laughs> and he just said to me like just you know you have to follow your dreams that's what he was saying mm. and I don't think at that point I really thought it was a dream and the next day I came back in and he said look if you want to leave at the end of the week you can this was like a Wednesday and I was out of there by the Friday and a week later I was living in Paris and on stage in this show called The Legend of the Lion King, uh, Le Roi de Lyon, wow. in, um, in Disneyland Paris. And I lived there for a year. And I have to say this, otherwise she'll never forgive me. And that's the first day that I met Abina Bojack. And we oh, moved in together. And that big was up it. to Abina, Abina Bojack. Bro, 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 bro. Me She's love you long Me love cook food. <laughs> um, and that was it. Our friendship began. We moved in about a week later. And that was day one of being on a stage, and so I'm still on a stage. Yeah. So, tell me what it's like because um, hmm. I know there's a lot of, especially people going into playing like lead roles, especially like black lead roles. Yeah. What is it like being quote untrained, stepping into that kind of Arena. industry? It comes with a lot of different things. I think there, there's, um, there's pressure you can put on yourself. Mm. And that comes from feeling like everyone's further ahead. Yeah. Because obviously there are things that you do in that three-year period, wherever you train, you get these little nuggets about, I suppose, acting through song or, uh, or stage presence. Or, you know, I remember accepting the job for Lion King when I, was, when I had the privilege of doing it at the Lyceum. And they said, you're going to be a swing. And I said, yes. And then got there and went was a swing mm-hmm. like, you know, people knowing that kind of vocab and being mm. a little bit more ahead of you but the thing that I've always had the ability to do I think it's just a personality trait I've always decided that if I'm going to do something I'm going to do it really well and that's where the secretarial experience came in because mm. a lot of stuff I did was as a researcher and, and admin work so I just thought well I don't know how to do that who does know how to do that mm. so I started making friends with Everyone, I was like cleaners, <laughs> stage door, the crew, who's on lighting, who cooks the food, who, who doesn't. I just thought this is the way to understand the workings of what this industry mm. is. I don't really need to befriend everyone else. I need to know who's putting lights on and who's mm. turning the sound on and who's operating those things. So, yes, it is daunting when you're not trained because sometimes mm. there are things people say that make you feel, oh, my God, I really don't know what I'm doing everyone struggles with imposter syndrome mm. whether you're trained or not yeah. um, but I do come from a very very good family that are like look if you've been put here this is what you need to do so I did get vocal lessons I did get an, an acting coach I did get yeah. dialect lessons so even without the training I feel like the thing that, that I think was a benefit to me was because I hadn't spent three years with somebody telling me what I am, mm. what casting I was, yeah. what I was meant to do. Your voice isn't that. Your, mm. your body's not that. I didn't come with a preconceived box notion of myself. Mm. I just came into the work and went, how do I best do the work? Yeah, and um, it's also some, it's something interesting, especially with um, people who are trained. As, so, as soon as they end up, as soon as they go into the industry, it's like all learning stops. And then right. you're, you're, you're spending your whole career leaning on what you learnt when you was 18 years old. Right. But you change and right. all these things. And I think it's really important as as artists that we are always maturing and right. changing because as people, we change and our of opinions course. change. Of course. My mum's um, a midwife, right? Mm. Um, she's a midwife and a reverend. And I just remember, you know, what she... <laughs> 
even training or theories or ideas about the fetus, pregnancy, women, all these sort of things, things that she'd done six months ago, she was constantly on training courses. Mm. Just because you're a midwife and you have your badge number and you can do that, she was constantly having to train and they were constantly like, are you up on this paper? Do you know about this thesis? Mm. Do you know? So for me, I'm like, I'll try new things out. If someone's like, oh, there's this vocal thing, I'll try that. If mm. there's a new way of acting, I'm even doing some acting courses while I'm out here because it's a different studio and a different way of doing it. Mm. One size may not fit all, but I'm like, there's every day's a school day, as people say, every yeah. single day. And you learn from other people. You stand on stage. Again, I've not always been a principal and the, the things I've learned the most are, are covering mm. or swinging because you're standing back in a scene and you're watching someone work and you're going, why does that work? Mm. We glean from each other. We also celebrate each other. I think sometimes when you're trained, the, the thing about being competitive and striving for the thing, mm. then we get in the thing and we, we need to celebrate ourselves or each other. Mm. I think that's mm. that's that's tricky because then you end up self-deprecating the whole time. So you're critical of other people and you're critical of yourself. It, it just breeds an environment where, why are we doing this? Mm. We're doing this because we're storytellers. We're doing this because we, we have a gift to do it. Mm. And we have an audience that wants stories told to them. Exactly. So if we come back to that grassroots bit, we won't have a problem celebrating each other or catching each other when we fall like... People will dry on stage. Stuff will go wrong. You're mm. a human. You can warm up as much as you want and you can still go out there and, and crack. crack on a note. Yeah. Like, why are we, like, taping these things and sharing them? Like, there's been a lot of that thing that I go, well, we're meant to be able to fail forward. Mm. We're meant to be able to fall forward into the arms of each other because at some point we have all felt, training or not, f like, frail, mm. weak, mm. incapable. You're like... It shows six. I've got eight of them. How am I doing this? And mm. you need to feel... I think we know it best. Our yeah. families can only support us so much because mm. they don't get it. And there's a space for us to support each other. And now I've gone off point now, but that's, no, that's, no, that's no, what no. I mean. No, that's you great. Know, it's, it's, Let, let's talk about like... So you've done you've done all the things. So you've oh, my done, God. You've done all the things. <laughs> what was the last one you did? You did... Oh, how can I bloody forget Hamilton? Oh my goodness you gracious! You did Hamilton. Dun, 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 what's the, what's dun, the other one that, that was in the Shaftesbury? Look at me, I like I don't know. I'm trying to be cute. <laughs> I did Memphis. Yeah, I did Memphis. Oh my goodness, that was wow. That was incredible. Work. So tell me, like, because those are like some pinnacle points in your. They are, and I I think they really shifted everything. I mean, I had um, uh, at that time I had an you know I had a really incredible agent, I was a really incredible agency I'm also now within a fantastic agent and agency, but at that time there was a there was a really serious conversation about what do you want to do, because my career had been a lot of like uh, swinging and covering and alternate, um, and my agent sat down and was like, what do you want to do, and I was like I want to do these things, and he gave me a book list, that was point number one, uh, you need to start reading these books, you know, you need to work on these monologues, you need to go to these acting classes you need, so it was more of, I feel like, a nurturing towards mm, the thing. Mm. So when Memphis came up, I felt like I was prepared to at least go in the room and feel confident and not feel the nerves and go, this is what I've prepared. Here's my gift. Do you like it? Yes. Am I the solution for your problem? Yes. If mm. not, then it's someone else and that's fine. But Memphis absolutely changed my life because to be an alternate and also have an on-stage track with that too was 
it was challenging. I wasn't. Yeah. I think the, I think the material, as well as the show, um, and then when Bev uh, left and went to do Cats, then obviously I took over the role for the last two weeks, and I. Where, was the bomb there was a out. lot of prayers. There was a lot of there was a lot of everything because mm. I did not know what that job was going to be like, and 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 that changed something. But again. You come out of a difficult time thinking, oh, my gosh, this is difficult. You jump into the next thing and you go, wait a minute. But if I've got to get through that alive, mm. I mean, I've got some battle scars. I'm sure I can do this yeah. next thing. And I think that's the thing that keeps propelling you. Mm. So I think don't be afraid of when it's difficult because sometimes that's the prep for the next thing. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I want to get into how important is it? Especially going from, like, I've done jobs where I have been the minority and I've been in the, in jobs where I've been the majority. Mm. And, and I'm talking as a person of colour, mm. as, as a marginalised person yeah. of colour. How important is, because I know you've also done the same. Yeah. How important is it to have community amongst other, other people of colour within a cast? Ooh. I think it can, you know, let me preface this by saying you can find family and unity. Really, you yeah, yeah, you can, We have definitely. commonality with humans. But there's something about um, being with your own, having shared experiences, having that thing that just makes you feel at home. Everybody, you know, mm. gets home and want to take their shoes off and, and, and be at home and be yourself. And something very liberating about being in a show where you're dealing with the show but you're also dealing with yourself as a human. Mm. When you get into shows where other people are of a like, like-mindedness, like culture, mm. you just feel at home, man. You yeah. just feel like, here I am relaxed with my whole self and not needing to apologise for a lot of things mm. too or wear a different coat that makes other people feel comfortable. Mm. And it does make a job go a lot quicker. It does make it feel it really, easier. Because really it's not the pressure of like, I get to stage door and I put this coat on so that everyone feels cool with how I'm navigating mm. this space mm. um, yeah. and so you feel at ease yeah and also you are a quite a vocal Christian I'm a Christian also I'm practicing Christian yay um, yay um, <laughs> how how is it manoeuvring as a Christian within the establishment of theatre and also within your black community Wow, that's that's a really good question. So Mm. uh, I'll answer part B first and then part A. So in terms of like manoeuvring within Christianity and the black community, Mm. again, sometimes I I find it a little bit easier because you have shared childhood experiences with others. So Mm. you'll go in straight away and go, this little man, like a man, or you'll go Sunday school and someone go, oh my God, yeah, I get that straight away. Mm. So sometimes you don't even feel... You know, if I said, oh, I really just need to pray with someone, mm. there isn't a giant question mark. There will be one person that goes, yeah, I'll pray with you. Mm. Or, you know, we're going to pray before the show, right? Yeah, yeah, cool. Mm. You know, when I was doing um, Bodyguard, which is another show, which is really interesting because the first leg of it, it was just me, Alexandra Burke, Abina Bo, again, I got a chance to work with her, mm. and Carol Stennett as well, like four women of colour on the show. And we'd pray before every show. Like it just, it was just a, th- it was just a thing that, you know. And Alex is the one that said, "So we're gonna pray before every show, right?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." So it was an ease with manoeuvring that. Sometimes when you get into other shows and it's just you, there's there's layers to it. So mm. you have to start to explain the difference between faith and religion. Then you have to explain mm. what is a denomination. 
then you have to explain, well, why do you believe that and you don't believe that? Then you went, so, so I always think, I always think there's a wonderful opportunity as well when people go, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God and I don't want to hear what you've got to say. I'm like, ah, cool, that's no problem. But I think Christianity and having faith and all of that is about who you are mm. as, a much, as much as whose you are. Mm. So it's not something I divorce. Everything I breathe is embedded in the fact that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he navigates how I mm. behave, see the world, treat other people. Um, so it's not a separation. Mm. It's just when you get in other companies, it's it's sometimes dispelling myths that other people have. Mm. They grew up, they went to church, they were forced to go to church, didn't have a good time, hated it. Heard doctrines they didn't like or understand or whatever. It felt forced. They get older, they meet you and you go, I'm a Christian. And they mm. go, what? Mm. Well, my version of it is that. So how are you that? Yeah. And I think sometimes you are the only Christian that people mm. see, even in a Christian country, even in this Western world that's, where... That's really, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll, we'll go back to that, but um, that whole dispelling of doctrines or what, you, what you've what you been taught in yeah. in church is very interesting. And that, that leads, because I know we spoke about this, but Shay has released a statement in The Guardian, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, and she was saying that she is going to take action against the company who who fired her. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't speak on what she said because I think that's irrelevant, but I think what is relevant in this conversation is how are we able as Christians to have any opinion within the arts when the arts is supposed to be a place where it's an open forum? It should be right. an open forum. Right. And it's not, not to say that we shouldn't think about the things that we say because I think that we should be careful with the things that we say. Mm-hmm. And I think we, have, we all have responsibilities and I'm saying that in, in, in regards to what she said. But how do, we, how do we responsibly have conversations without people continuously battering you down? And I, yes. And how, and how, and how do we mend this? Mm. How do we reconcile this? Because especially with the, with the arts, there's a huge separation between faith and the arts. Mm. I feel. Mm. There's a huge separation. There is. But I think part of that is because... Um, sometimes, I'll, I'll say this, you know, and I'm not saying anything against any sort of churches, but, you know, there are churches where I've grown up and they, blame, you know, they've said if, if, if the art isn't happening within church, then God hasn't co-signed on it. Mm. So there's been that, there's been that discussion. Mm. Then you have other churches that are just like, anything goes, God will bless anything, doesn't matter what you do, there you go. Mm. So then we've got that part of it. And I think... It all comes down to having intelligent Mm. conversations and discussions. And what a discussion takes is listening and speaking. Mm. So if we place ourselves with a status of going, I am the jury for everything I do, Mm. but I am the judge for everything you do, Mm. we've already lost. And that's where we're coming from. So if we don't come from a heart of humility and openness and a place of, I mean, I'm going to say it, all the things that Jesus stands for, Mm. uh, compassion, mercy, love. Because we are saying at the moment, love is love. So if we're talking about love, how does love operate? Mm. Well, love operates with peace Mm. and love operates with grace. So if you say something out of a space of poison or bitterness or hatred against something else, 
that in in and of itself is not love. Mm. So to me, that isn't the basis of the start of a conversation or discussion or anything because we're in a climate now where difficult things are going to be said, awful things are going to be said, horrible things are going to be said. They've been said for eons, mm. <laughs> be it about race or, or gender or all of these things. And we have found a way with incredible leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. and Mother Teresa and people like that that have mm. listened to horrible things and heinous things and gone, we dispel this. We dispel this with love. Mm. We, we, we act as the saviour did and we say, you know what? I open up my mouth. If you want to do that, that's absolutely cool. Mm. But there is a space, even in the Bible, when you lift it, there are discussions backwards and forwards. Paul was always writing letters. They were writing letters back to him. But what does this mean? Mm. Can we wear this? Should we cut our hair? Should we pierce our ears? Should mm. we not? Can we talk? Mm. Can we eat this? Blah, blah, blah. And there were all these letters going backwards and forwards because people were having difficult discussions. Mm. You know, can you do this on the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? Is it a Saturday? Is it a Sunday? What do we do? Mm. Um, but it was always treated in love. And the Bible always says that, speak the truth in love. So I'm also saying there's another scripture that says, useless arguments gender strife. Mm. That's in the book. So if we're having an argument that is useless, and to me it's useless if you're already coming from a position where you go, you're wrong and I'm right, then we're done. Mm. And if it's full of strife, then we can't be there. Mm. So I don't know, I've given you a really long-winded answer. No, but that was, that was a brilliant, uh, uh, answer, that was a brilliant answer. But I think that's where we start. We yeah. start from having a heart that goes, you know what? We may sit down and talk about this and we may disagree, mm. but we will always disagree respectfully. Yeah. We will always disagree and go, you know what? You've pulled that out and said that's that and I don't agree with you. But when I get to know you as a human, you as a human is far more than what point you're making because mm. now I'm getting to know okay, so why did you say that? Mm. And that actually hurt me. And how do I come back from that? And we may leave the conversation and go in, well, that's still what I believe and yeah. that's still what you believe, but respectfully. Mm. Another thing that I'm concerned about is that we care about the mental health of everyone. So when we are throwing things out or we are doing this, we also have to care for what impact we leave on a person. Mm. We type something and then it's gone. Like, what do we do, what do, we do with mm. that? We've left that for someone to... To fester over and I don't want our industry to be a place where whether it's about your faith whether it's about your color whether it's about whatever it is that we're boxed and we can't talk openly and go this is how I feel as a mm. black woman I don't know I'm, no, I'm a, I sound really, like I'm really running good. for president or something no, but, um, no but this is well this is the kind of conversations that we're trying to have on mm. the palace of the dogs and it's about realigning art to where it's supposed to be yeah. and if we're and we already live in a society we already know that we need money, all right? We need we need money, okay? Oh please. But if we if if you want money then go do it in some office job. Yes. Yeah. We're in the arts because we have an opinion. It's expression. Yes. Yeah? You've come into this this industry because you want to express yourself because you have something to say, whether you know it or not. Mm. You have something to say when you're flinging up your leg and you're doing all this business. Absolutely. You have something to say. So I think it's important for us to speak to one another about the things that yeah. we actually care about, create understanding and move forward. But when does that happen though, Dan? Because I think sometimes we do shows for ages and I'm only saying this to say like shout out to my ham family. Um, we had so many conversations on Hamilton and obviously I'm not going to go into all of them, but... We, we picked it all apart. Mm. We talked about colour, race, casting, the arts, lead roles, what happens, covering, blah, blah, blah. We talked about everything. And it was one of the first jobs other than Lion King 
where these conversations could happen and I knew I could walk away with it without someone then deciding Rachel's this type of person mm. because she said this type of thing. Mm. And sometimes it is nature versus nurture. It is how you're brought up. It's where you live. I mean, not being rude. If you, let's say you're 30-odd and you grow up in a shire for your whole life, <laughs> which, whichever shire it is, yeah. And then you come to London and you start working with in such a massive melting pot do not be deceived. You're coming with something. Mm. You're coming with something. You're coming with something that, you know, your granddad said, your aunt said, your cousin said, look, my mum came here in her late 20s and she'd been a majority her whole life and mm. came here in her 20s and got, well, not here, but came to the UK and then had to unlearn things because mm. she'd never been surrounded by so many cultures. We mm. all come with stuff. So why would we think for five seconds that we put our humanity or our, 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 our upbringing at the front door the minute we come on stage and we play a character. Mm. It's not true. And I think theatre is an exciting space to work with professionals. We already start off in neutral. Everyone's a professional. Mm. That's point number one. And then we have other labels on us, whether it be, you know, whatever, you know, gender or colour or whatever. But it's an exciting space to go, do you know what? I just want to, I want to cut you there because I just want to get into, I want to get into <laughs> just, just this last, this last point. Go. Because I know it's going to be a big one. Right, so on. I read an article yesterday, somebody sent it to me and yes. it was, they were talking about the black community's obsession with the Bible mm -hmm. and how do we reconcile our faith mm -hmm. with the history of Christianity mm -hmm. in regards to slavery and mm -hmm. colonization because mm -hmm. As we, as as you may or may not know, the school system in the UK is crazy. Um, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> you kill him they, they use the Bible as a way of endorsing slavery and colonization. They wow. also used it as a way of. Uh, they they saw us as like barbaric people, so. They... So in regards to this article, is this what this article was? Yeah, saying? so this is what this article was saying, and this is something that I personally have struggled with mm. in my own walk with faith because I'm like, oh my gosh, they use this they the same the same the same book well, that yeah. I'm reading and that I'm learning from. This is the same book that they use to colonize me yes. and to rob me of what I am culturally. Right. But in my knowledge of that, that has made me grow in in my own unique way and my own unique understanding of what my relationship with God is. Yes. But I just wanted to kind of get your view on mm. how you reconcile your faith with the history of Christianity. So the first point I think is that anyone can take anything and decide that for power, money and control, this is what I'm going to use to do what I'm going to do. Mm. Uh, point number two, people have got views about Christians at the moment, be they good or bad or indifferent, and people have never read the book. So mm. I'm like... You don't decide by reading one quote of Hamlet that you know all about Shakespeare. Mm. I'm just putting it out there. You read the complete works to know who he was as a writer, etc., etc. So people have decided that from art, again, art had been used in a different way where they painted, they painted Jesus based on a, uh, a, a, a word of John at the end of the Bible saying that, you know, Jesus was, he was fair and these kind of words came out. So words like fair that they describe Jesus and, and words like slave and master and all these words were used to then say, there's a, there's a whole verse that says, slaves obey your masters. This mm. is in the Bible. But when you look at the Greek and the Hebrew and you start to actually break these things down, it was never about 
the servitude, the suppression of one and the like suppression and oppression. It wasn't about that. What happened normally with slaves in the Bible, as I've started to do my own research, and when mm. we talk about slaves, we're talking about servitude. So we're talking about you live in a house, you have these people that are serving you for whatever reason. And I'm not a Bible scholar, so don't nobody gun me. I'm just saying <laughs> on my research, and I'm obviously like not a scholar. Okay, so let me just say that. Um, but when they started to look at it, what normally would happen is if you were a servant and you served, it was normally for a set period of time. Mm. And then you were allowed to buy back your freedom. Mm. Normally you went into service to another servant, whatever, because you owed money, you couldn't pay. And mm. they were like, right, well, you can work this off. Um, the parable of the prodigal son, for example, the prodigal son, and I'm, I'm staying on point, however, Prodigal son living in the house and he's like, you know what, dad, give me my inheritance. He goes off, he does what he's doing, blah, 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 riotous living, la, 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 ends up eating in a pig pen. And he comes to himself and says, even my hired servants in my father's house are treated better than me. Mm. So what does that mean? Mm. That means that these people that were in servitude under his dad mm. were clothed, were fed, were looked after. So when we use the term slave and servant they weren't the same thing mm. and these oppressors decided we're going to paint jesus with blue eyes and blonde hair and white skin because that favors us because then you look like us and then you have to serve us and, it, and it's all it's all mind games that's mm. what it is in the same way that in nazi germany hitler decided in school books to paint Jewish people in a particular way that was completely demeaning because it is a control system mm. so when i started to read about that i was like Wait a minute, so Jesus, you've never advocated slavery. Mm. Never. Mm. You've never advocated slavery. Also, there are pages and pages and quotes about wicked rulers and what will happen to them. Mm. Wicked masters and what will happen to them. Mm. So how can how can Jesus say that? And it's the red writing, so I know he said it. When you get the Bible <laughs> with the red writing, so I know it was Jesus. How can Jesus say that, but then still give two thumbs up to slavery? Mm. He never did. Mm. He never did. But also, you have slaves who couldn't read, and then we're taking a King James Version, and then we're, we're rowing across the sea, not me, I didn't row nowhere, but we'll go over and colonise them and then say, this word means this. Mm. And if you do this, you'll have a place in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus never said it. When you translate that word in, in, in terms of if slave or servant or whatever, it does not mean that. And then when you get to the New Testament, Paul writes very clearly that now you're in Christ Jesus, there's no, there's no slave. There's no Jew, there's no female, there's no male, there's no bond, there's no free. We are all liberated in Christ. So how could I read that and then believe that Christ gave two thumbs up to slavery? Mm. It's not possible. Now, I, again, I'm not a scholar, but based upon that, I'm like, hold on, God. So what you're saying is people can take your book, do whatever they want to do with it. Say it was you. Say you're co-signing mm. and we all just lay back and go, yeah, actually, God was all right about slavery. Mm. What people grapple with is that if God is a just God and he can deliver and he can save and he can do all that, then why didn't he prevent slavery? Mm. Or why didn't we get free sooner? We just come back and go, I know God is just, but I know sometimes things aren't fair. Mm. And that's the hard thing about the faith walk. And on that <laughs> oh note... Oh, my God, I've talked for so long. No, 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 no. It's been brilliant. Like, I've, I've oh. learned a lot. And it's really like... And I hope that for people listening, that it, it kind of resolves things Something, for you too. Because yeah. it's, this conversation has resolved things for me. And, and my growth and who I am and my relationship with, with my maker is, has grown. 
and things have resolved from this. I feel at ease after Aww. this conversation. Um, but yeah, we're just going to take a little break and yeah. we're going to go and to the tune of the week. Um, which I'm going to leave to Miss John. What are oh we listening God. to? Well, I you love. Don't, a bit... You don't have to play it. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love a bit of Sam Cooke, and so um, yeah, I was listening to this the other day because my dad, my mum, mum and dad used to play old vinyls. But he's got a lovely version of this little light of mine. I just love Sam Cooke's voice. So here we are, Sam Cooke. This little light of mine will be back mm. after the song. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine, yeah This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine I let it shine Let it shine to show my lover I'm gonna tell you that Everywhere I go I'm gonna let it shine And everywhere I go I'm gonna let it shine, yeah Everywhere I go I'm gonna let it shine I let it shine, let it shine To show my love And that was Sam Cooke with I'm gonna let it shine yeah, with this little like mine. I can't. So we're just gonna get into the top picks of what we've been seeing. Top picks. Like top theatre, film, music, exhibitions, all the things. I went to see Daniel Caesar last night, and I know Black Twitter has cancelled him because of what he said about black people. Oh. Yeah, he said, he basically said that we're too sensitive. And, <laughs> and that why is it okay for We're not term sensitive. <laughs> why is it okay for um for black people to say whatever they want? But why <laughs> sorry I'm laughing. Sorry. This is Can what you I believe? mean. You have to laugh though. Can you believe your whole that? experience? Yeah. That's what you're telling me. That. Because you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no Daniel Caesar's black. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't get to tell me no, about my black experience. He doesn't, but he was good. I'm not going to lie. Nobody How? knew the stuff from the second album. Also, though, Dan, why are you holding back? How was coffee? Coffee. Doors. It, it was so good. She oh, was so... Oh, my God. She's so humble. Um, Guys, I just want to say, I missed it because I was asleep on my sofa. <laughs> getting rid of this little bit of the cold so um no but you don't worry so coffee shout out to you boy yeah, they were saying you were so the young one. and she's so humble Spritey. she's righteous that's what she and is she, she's righteous she's, she's righteous. very very she's righteous. righteous so go go listen to some coffee because she's got you picture. need to she's got some wisdom in those songs you know. it's not just all to us it's not all just that <laughs> it's not all just that um yeah so top boy I've been enjoying oh, that. Listen, really tell me enjoying. about it. Do you know what I enjoy about Top Boy is that they're responsible and they're telling a story and they're, they're, they're not just going, oh, this is how it is, that's how it is. No, they're going back to, what, to why things are the way mm. they are for marginalised, especially black communities in London and the UK. It's not just because we're bad. It's, yeah. because, of, it's because we're under... We're in a toxic environment. Boy. We've been put in a toxic environment mm. and we don't understand why. So we're just trying to manage. And I think that is responsible. 
And that is why I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Can I also just add, like, it was really nice because I was part of the read-through mm. for, um, for a couple of the episodes. Got a chance to meet two... Uh-uh. two I know, innit? Mm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I was. Um, had the opportunity to meet Drake as well, and he was really passionate about the piece, and that was great. We did a reading in, uh, just next to Dominion Theatre. And meeting two of the directors, who obviously were directors of colour, mm. and one was a woman, one was a man, and it was like... Um, even when I got to watch some of the stuff before the editing and all of that sort of thing. Mm. And I just thought, this is a big, t- this is going to mm. make some waves. And so I've not watched it yet because I've been here. Um, but that is my plan. I'm going to start no, tomorrow. It's watching very, very but Yeah, good. get on it. Get on it. And also, we're going to be in, what, what theatre? The, no, not the Gilgood. We're at the Gilgood. Because the- I know. <laughs> so from December to February, we'll be at the Gilgood. You can get tickets online. You can follow us. On social media, uh, I think it's Dylan Musical or Girl from the North Country or stuff. But just just seek us out, man. It's a very wow. What kind, we can't there's even surmise of, there's it. Lots of topics in there. Yeah, there lots, are. lots. And the, the music is good. Oh my goodness, it's so good. thrilling. And um, we're having a great time. Yeah, we are. We're there eating banana bread on stage. Let me tell you something. Here. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's get away from that. Yeah. The banana bread's the one. Yeah. Well, people brilliant. fight for banana bread, you know. I'm fighting for it. I'm not even gonna lie. In the sea. So I just bread. want to say yes. a massive thank you to Rachel John for joining oh. us on this conversation. Big up yourself. Yes, my lovely like rice and peas yes. and chicken stuffing. Well, oh. vegan stuffing because wow, I'm, wow. I'm not to all the vegans. I don't, I don't eat the swine. <laughs> 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 yeah, so if you guys want to head over to the Palace of the Dogs. Dot of the com, dogs. Um, you'll see our latest interview with Mary Show. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting chat about Black feminism and femininity and all them things there mm-hmm. and being an artist and. And producing music independently. It's very, very good. She's very, very good. There's exclusive videos, acoustic version of her new single, and a the music video that I choreographed actually. So um, Get it. yeah, fun times. Head over to the palaceofthedogs.com to check that out. And then also follow us at the Palace of the Dogs on Instagram. What's your Instagram? Rachel. I'm at one Rachel John, and that's where I am on awesome. Instagram. So if you want to comment on any topics or suggest a topic or give us a shout out on the next episode of Barking, email us at thepalaceofthedogs at hotmail.com. Yay! And that is Barking. Yeah. <laughs>